Hey, it's Jeff here. After working as an automotive tech for almost 25 years, I can honestly say that finding employment with the right shop has been the difference maker between loving what I do every day or hating my career choice. Let me tell you, I've been there, but I've also had jobs where work didn't really feel like work. I love the challenge of fixing cars. So loving what I do, that's the easy part. Finding a good place to do it in, now that's been the struggle. And that's where my friends at ProMotive knock it out of the park. They're a recruitment company specializing in jobs for our automotive industry. A-techs, B-techs, master techs, service advisors, managers, you name it. They are constantly looking for applicants in automotive to link them with available job postings at only the best vested shops around the country. ProMotive has a team of professional recruiters that can help you with your resume, prep you for the interview process, and negotiate the best pay and benefits package for you. And best of all, it's free to anyone looking to gain employment. Check them out at gopromotive.com slash Jeff. gopromotive.com slash Jeff. Just think, you could be just five minutes away from finding your dream job. I was just getting back to back to back electrical diag. And the advisors had a hard time selling the time on it. But I, I had to fix it. Like, this is just the way my brain is wired. I've got a problem in front of me. I got to fix it. And I fixed it. I fixed all of them. Yeah. But uh, the guy a couple of bays down where all he does is bang out brakes and ball joints and wheel bearings all day, he's getting paid 50% more than I am. gentlemen and welcome back to another exciting thought-provoking episode of the Jada Mechanic Podcast. My name's Jeff and I'd like to thank you for joining me on this journey of reflection and insight into the toils and triumphs of a career in automotive repair. After more than 20 years of skin knuckles and tool debt, I want to share my perspectives and hear other people's thoughts about our industry. So pour yourself a strong coffee or grab a cold Canadian beer and get ready for some great conversation. So when you get that far up there, like we hear, we hear talk, you know, in the Canadians, they talk all the time about like going to the Mac, right. And what it's like to be out in the Mac and, you know, Fort McMurray and, yep. you know, you're, you're way out. Is it like that up there too, where you're kind of in a, in a camp? Yep. And, yeah. It's a camp. Yeah. Actually the camp up there is pretty decent. Um, mm-hmm. but you're really limited for what you can get up there. Obviously like. Uh, not only are you that far north, but you're on an island. So yeah. I actually had figured it out once where if I stole a fuel truck and it were the middle of winter, so the ocean was frozen, I still couldn't make it back to, to civilization with the amount of fuel I had. <laughs> to drive on the yeah. ice, you couldn't make yeah. it. Wow. The oh, coldest man. I've That's... seen there was minus 76 Celsius, which is <laughs> minus 105 Fahrenheit. <clears throat> yeah, I, I learned a lot there. Uh, so as a fleet analyst, you go over all kinds of things from uh, work efficiency to uh, pattern failures and finding corrections for it um, to what basically you fix problems wherever the problems exist. Yeah. And, and it's your job to identify the problem. And it's your job to fix it. And that climate gives a completely different set of failures right to a piece of machinery yeah so like one of the most common uh haul trucks for caterpillar uh when you get to the ultra class is the 793 and um 
as of, I don't know what year it was, maybe let's say seven years ago, they went to what they call tier four. So it's got deaf and it's got all that stuff. And at Baffinland, the temperature that the fittings would get at would create them the crack because they would uh, shrink at different rates and then from different. So they ended up updating the deaf lines and these uh, adapter fittings on every truck uh, in the world based on our findings. That's pretty cool. Yeah. When you think about it, right? Like it's kind of like the, the, the most extreme test that you put on the machine, you come up with a solution for it or you're part of a team that, that does. And then it just becomes standardized parts across the whole world. That's, that's pretty cool, man. That's really neat. I, I'd love to go up there just to just experience that. Like just to think about that, that cold minus 104. (laughs) Yeah. Like my, my friends in, in North Carolina that, you know, Lucas, well, we get snow here. <laughs> yeah. It ain't the same. Yeah. You get snow because you're on a mountain, dude. Like you're, <laughs> you get a little bit of, you know, it's, it never stops wind blowing there. Yeah. So then, it, you know, the temperature comes down a bit and you get some snow. It's pretty Christmas yeah. snow. 104 <laughs> below. There's, there's nothing like that in the world. Yeah. So like, even when it's really cold at home, you walk outside, like it takes you a couple minutes to feel cold. Right. At that temperature, it's immediate. You you immediately feel cold. It's yeah. uh, but yeah, like I, I'd, I'd recommend to anyone who could get out that way. Definitely go once in the winter and once in the summer, and then mm-hmm. probably never go back again. <laughs> yeah. So when you're when you're in camp like that, um, what's the boredom like? Is it tough? Well, you're working twelve to fourteen hour days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, like in the morning, you get up. If you go to the gym, you go to the gym, you eat breakfast, right. you go to work, you get home, you eat. If the internet's good enough that night to send a message to your wife or kids, you do that. And then you just pass out. Yeah. Um, if, if you work an easier job, then uh, like maybe you bring up some videos on your laptop and you watch a little bit of movies, but they, they mm. got, they got a pretty decent gym up there. They got, uh, they got a pool room where they got a bunch of pool tables and they got some guitars and stuff. And so like, there's some stuff for, for people to do. Yeah. 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 Pay is good. Yeah. Pay is pretty good. Yeah. 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 So, um, during COVID it went from two week rotations up to four week rotations at Baffinland and like four weeks at Baffinland is a long time. That's a long time. Yeah, I was say, that's a, that's a, that's gets to be a, uh, an experiment on social, you know, <laughs> yeah. kind of like the Lord of the flies type shit, right? Where people start to spend too much time together and you start to look at the weak links within the group and yep. prey on them. <laughs> wow. Uh, that'd be too, I, I don't think I could be up there a month. Yeah. And then you're home for a month and now, now you got to convince yourself, okay, I got to go back. <laughs> I got to go back to this place. Uh, yeah, yeah, not easy. Um, so after a while, I went, it dialed back to three weeks and then it didn't look like it was ever going back to two weeks. And I didn't, I didn't sign up for three weeks at Baffinland. Uh, yeah. So that's when I got the job at Ford. Uh, and I, when I quit Tormont at that time, I, 
I wasn't quitting Tormont. I was quitting working at Baffinland. So yeah. the plan was always to get back into Tormont. And I knew this other mine, uh, I am gold, uh, at Cote gold and go gamma was opening up. And, um, I knew they were having autonomous trucks there mm-hmm. and people don't understand. Like these trucks are like three story houses, fully yeah. autonomous driving themselves. It's wild. So, uh, the mine did end up opening up and then I got hired on as the guy to, to fix these autonomous systems on these trucks. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. So what was, what, that's a lot of laptop programming. Yeah. Electrical side diag. Yeah, exactly. It's all electrical and, and, and programming and, uh, calibrations, stuff like that. Uh, ADAS on a whole other level. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right yeah, on, man. it's, it's really cool. And you know what? The feeling never gets old when you're sitting in the truck and it's driving itself and like, it gets going pretty fast. Like, like on like over 60 K an hour with 212 ton of rock in the box. Yeah. It's literally like a house going down the street. Yeah. yeah. Like, so when those things are being working in the mine, is there somebody in the seat, but essentially it's not, it's completely, completely empty. Wow. No one in it. So the loader loads it and it drives itself over to the pile or wherever it's got to go down the road, yep. right? Dump the load, comes back. Yep. So there's uh, so there's someone, uh, their, their job is called the controller. So they tell the trucks where they're getting loaded and where they're dumping. Mm-hmm. And then assuming that job never changes for the entire day, like they're done. Obviously, like the job does change throughout the day, but yeah. Um, yeah, so they say, so the, the trucks will queue up at the loader. The loader will hit a button. The truck will back in next to them. Loader fills it up. Loader hits another button and tells it to go on its merry way to the to the dumping location. Goes there, dumps, and comes back. Yeah. The, I, did, I did a very short tenure when I graduated. Um, I graduated from Sanford Fleming in heavy equipment. In 95, I think it was, yeah. 96. And um, I worked at uh, Tormont Cat in Stony Creek. Okay. So Hamilton, so which was Stelco Steel and everything, right? Yeah. And I wasn't ready for that. But I remember <laughs> the first day I pulled in at Cat to drop my toolbox off. It was like a Saturday. And there's a picture somewhere of my, my stepfather's Ford truck parked in the bucket of one of these big, trucks that they had yeah. which they're not even as big at stelco at the steel as what like you guys see yeah up on the mine sites right those haul trucks but it was still like we could park the whole truck right in the bucket of this loader and people had no idea uh, i don't know i think it was like a 793 or something at the time it was one of their biggest loaders that they made yeah and of course then and i was amazed at the size of the machinery in that shop and then Stony Creek was cool because it had a whole so- section of the shop, which was Stelco work, right? Like those kind of graders and all that kind yep. of stuff. And then they had a whole other truck shop. So there was all of these different rigs in every night and they were resealing, you know, they were resealing the front cover on a cat nonstop. I mean, they leaked constantly. <laughs> it seems that that's all they were doing was front cover reseal, front yep. cover reseal, front cover reseal. And those guys would do like one a night, you know, no problem. And, and then it would, the next night they'd be doing another one and the next night they'd be doing another one. And then once in a while they'd be doing something different, but it was nonstop. Like in, and 
So I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't have enough experience on the job to, to last at, at Stelco or sorry, at CAT, but it was pretty cool to see. They're a pretty cool company. I can remember walking into the parts department and the guy literally saying, I don't know, whatever it was, their little, like little loader, like the size of like a case 580. Right. And he's like, we have every part number in the catalog for this machine. We could build a machine without a VIN number or anything like with every part in here we have. Yeah. No, but he said like it was incredible. You know, I'd never seen anything like that. They're an amazing company. So yeah, so I've never been to the mine thing. I went to I went to Stelco a couple times on some ser- on some field service jobs with the guys, and that was pretty that was pretty eye opening. Yeah, with these with these bigger pieces of gear, they'll uh, they'll tear it down to a bare frame, do a full inspection, repair it, and rebuild the whole truck with all brand new parts. Uh, yeah, basically all you're keeping is the, is the VIN number, the serial plate. And, uh, yeah, like there's some, uh, there's some haul trucks in Timmins. I got like a million hours on them. It's mm-hmm. insane. That's yeah. like, that's and, like 5 million still, kilometers on a car. And <laughs> yeah. still going. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what's it? Um, so how is it? Do you miss, like, if you're still at, the, so when you come home from the mine, do you still take a job working at the shop or you, you're all done with that? No, I'm done with that. So when, when I was still in the warehouse and working at Volkswagen, uh, my, my second daughter was born and that's when I, uh, I called the quits at Volkswagen. Uh, and they were sad to see me go and I was, I was sad to leave, but, uh, I needed that time when I was off to support my family uh yeah physically more mm-hmm. than more than monetarily wise yeah. yeah and you don't miss it i think i do like i i miss working on cars um but i tried i, I kind of scratched that itch with with the canadian Me- mechanic handout uh, hangout where um like people will ask questions and and we get to help them out and so sometimes we're spoon feeding some stuff that they could have figured out on their own, but some often there's a lot of stuff that like you've never seen before and you would never think of it. And yeah, uh, it helps everyone out uh, because yeah. six months down the line, some other guy might be running into the same issue. Uh, it, it creates a database of, of these, these issues. And I'm new to that group. Like I've only been in there a little while, right? You just, you were nice enough to add yeah. me and, um, I was like, you know, I reached out to you and I said, like, some of the stuff that these guys, you know, are, are struggling with seems to me, you know, really rudimentary stuff. And then you're good enough to remind me that a lot of them are in maybe a job like you are, yeah. right? Where they're not getting their hands on a Ford truck every day. Or you know ever. what I mean? They might be, or yeah. ever. And they might be working on something totally different all the yeah. time. And then they get stuck with that, that truck or they're not stuck with it, but it could be their own, yeah. the wife's, mother-in-law's, whatever. Yeah. And, you know, I just try to help them out because, I mean, me, I love the diagnostics side of the challenge of it. It's just like, you know, I love it. Yeah. Like I could stare at that all day long and then try and interpret it, what's going on. Most of the time I'm not right, <laughs> you know, but I mean, it's, it's interesting because it's, to me, it's one of the best ways to generate the conversation is to going on, right? Is how each other understands and learns and approaches different things. That's how those great conversations start is it's like, well, look at this data. What do you think's going on? 
Okay. So why do you think that's going on based on this? You know, not saying you're right or wrong, just, Hey, you know, help me out here. Tell me what you think. And, um, man, that's, I've made a lot of good friends through those kind of conversations. Right. Yeah. And I've learned, I've learned as much that way as I ever did staring at it when it was actually hooked to a car. Yeah. It's often, it's not about what that final answer is. It's about the journey to get there. Uh, the different stuff you learn on the way there. And then mm-hmm. uh, next time something, maybe not the same, but similar comes up and, and you're in your mind, you're already three quarters of the way through that flow chart. <laughs> you you yeah. already got a bunch of it figured out because, well, it can't be this because that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. Diag, Diag is something I love, but in this industry, it's so difficult to get paid for it. it's it's such a frustrating thing we were talking about that today i was talking to lucas and you know there's so many different ways not that there is only really one way right way to fix a car for the most part a repair is really there's only one right way to do most repairs but there's certainly so many different processes that guys have and how they approach the diagnostic side of it right the troubleshooting the because guys laugh at me because if you look at how I do it, it looks like I'm running around with a chicken my head <laughs> cut off. Like it's just, you know, or and I'm I'm a slow starter. I'll spend an hour just staring at the stupid wiring diagram or the theory of operation, and I'll walk over and I'll dig like I'll do two tests, and then I'll walk back and I'll stare at it for another hour. But you know, I don't. Or I walk out to it and I spend 15 minutes and I go. Well, it's going to need that to start. Yeah. And then after that, I just kind of flick a switch and I don't even think about it after that. You know, it's like, okay, I, 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 my brain is shut off now until I have this coil in my hand or this part. We had a, we had a, we had a 2019 Ram with, uh, in the shop this week, got towed in. It's in kind of like a theft mode. The four ways are flashing. The horn goes off. It's push button start push button start is not doing anything it's unresponsive and they have what they call um a frequency hub rf frequency hub radio frequency hub rfb or rfh and it's for all intents and purposes it's like what the old when i worked at chrysler way back in like 20 2000 2008 it was essentially the wind module wireless ignition note yep. now they take it and they stick it on the rear <laughs> rear cab wall underneath the power sliding window yeah so the water that leaks from the third brake light and the power sliding window leaks on the top of this rf hub so we get this in and you know it's go out to the parking lot and the battery's dead throw a charge on as soon as the battery gets any life in it horns going off it's like oh it's one of them try to get in push the button nothing's happening great so i call up my buddy that i used to work with in ottawa and i said you did, didn't you have something going on with an RF hub last month? And he's like, yeah. And he said, remember I had a rotted wire to it. And I'm like, oh yeah, right. I'm like, that's on the back. He's like, yeah, there's this technical bulletin, whatever. Check that out. So we pull up the bulletin and the bulletin talks about they're bad for water intrusion or whatnot, but you know, it's a bulletin. It doesn't really tell you yeah. break it down all the way as like how it should work, like how it's configured, everything else. So we're like, put the scanner on it. Of course, you can't talk to anything because you can't turn the key on. So then I have to call him back and I'm like, hey, should I be able to talk to the RF hub with like the key turned off with the scan tool? He's like, yep. 
So I said, if I can't talk to it, he's like, then you just check your power and grounds and your can at it. And if that's all good, he says, you're going to need one. That was it for me. Yeah. <laughs> like we just, I wasn't the one working on it, but the other guy did those couple tests and it's like, you know, I don't even at that point after that, I don't think my brain's not wired where I want to know further how that works. It's like the flat rate side of me kicks in again. It's like, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, if we had a 22 charger <laughs> in on the lot, completely different car, essentially the same system, though, same key, same the whole thing. We go out, put the scan tool on it. Don't have to turn it on. The RF hub talks to the scan tool. I'm like, needs an RF hub. Just get yeah. one. You know. So now we're stuck. We take it over to the dealer because we're not cleared through NASTIF yet to be able to get the security pin and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So our customer had towed it from the dealer to us for us to do the diag, tow it back to a different dealer in town here to say, Hey, so this is, and there's a story to this. So you hear me all the time. I stand up for a lot of dealer techs, right? Because like you see them in the group sometimes or any of the groups and they're like, Oh, dealer techs are assholes. I can't fix nothing. Blah, 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 blah. Well, we take the truck over there and first thing in the morning, the advisor calls us and says, um, my tech's going to need an hour extra time because the battery's disconnected. Now we had told them that the battery was disconnected because it was going into, you know, lockout. The battery would have been dead in the morning. We just did that as a courtesy yeah. so that you didn't have to, well, he's going to need an hour to hook up the battery. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> you got us over a barrel. Like we need this RF hub. We'd already ordered the part. The part was in, right? The diag was done. We just need the part programmed you don't have to put the seat back in you don't have to do nothing just plug it in program it. well so that's at like eight in the morning three o'clock in the afternoon they call us and they go okay it's ready you can come pick it up we're like okay that's cool obviously the diag was right and it said oh yeah yep start it right up come get it we come and get it bring it back in the shop look battery cable's not even tight we had to tighten the battery cable so they charged us a hundred bucks extra and they didn't even do whatever the advisor said they had to do. Yeah. It was worth a hundred bucks. They didn't even do that job. So my boss is like, he's kind of pissed off and I'm sitting there on both sides going, well, maybe they did it this way because he wasn't getting maybe all the time he thought he should have for that job. Maybe that's the excuse that he was giving them. I don't know. Right. But it's a slippery slope because I know techs that work at that dealer, right? I don't know who worked on the truck, but I'm just like, it's really hard to stand up for guys, yeah. you know, in the industry when they do shenanigans like that. I know where none of us are perfect, but I mean, literally like it showed up and you could have pulled the brat, the negative cable off with your hand. You didn't, the bolt wasn't even tight. Like That's just, it's just janky. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's, that's tough. Like, I, uh, I doubt he left it loose on purpose. It was probably by accident, but I mean, uh, like the first thing to teach you when you're an apprentice is if there's something you, you left loose under the hood, oil cap, whatever, stick something in the latch. And whenever you go to slam that hood down, you break the hood. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll remember to do whatever it That's was right. you forgot. Uh, yeah. I, and I just felt miffed because I mean, he's, he's essentially getting, I think it was like two five to put this module in a program yeah. and you already had it. <laughs> yeah. And he still couldn't remember to like 
tighten the battery cable up. But I mean, I've been the dealer. Like I understand how it happens. It just, yeah. Yeah. Do better. Do better. Yeah. So, so you miss working on cars. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, I mean, if I had my own garage, I'd probably take in some side work, but I, I don't want to be held to a schedule when I'm home. Um, yeah. I, yeah, it's, I just, I love the, the, the exercise of going through diag, but I don't know if I would get that kind of work really, uh, mm -hmm. working out of my own garage. Right. Yeah. Unless you marketed yourself and said, Hey, this is what I want to do and I'm good at it. But even then, like I look at that because I entertain that notion too of like, well, I could, I don't want to work, you know, because my summers I want to keep free, right? I want to fish every time. I don't want a whole customer base of people that are constantly dropping junk piles off in my driveway and hoping that I can fix them after work or, you know, yeah. like with, with my job, it's Monday to Thursday. So I don't want to spend Friday, Saturday, and Sunday working for cash to make more money. Right. The money would be nice to have, but I, how do you tell those people that it's like, okay, it's June. I'm going to go bass fishing now. I won't be thinking about fixing cars yeah. on weekends until November, whatever you need between now and then, sorry, you're SOL. Like, I, I don't want to be that guy, but I got thinking, well, maybe I could do some Diag at home, you know, kind of get my name out there and make some money. And then I started looking at what it would cost, you know, investment wise yeah. for tooling. And then you think about sometimes the amount of customers that like would look out, would search out somebody doing side work for a cheaper price. And then you're trying to say, Hey, I only really want to do Diag. I don't want to put brakes and control arms on your Mazda, you know, cause yeah. that's not boring. That's boring. Like I don't want to do it. I'm looking at it. I'm like, nah, I just don't think I'm going to do it. Yeah. I think like something really interesting would be uh, like what Jordan does at auto aid. Where you go mm. shop to shop and do diag for shops. Yeah. Has he told you some of the stories that he's run into? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we talk, They're we talk all eh? day, every day, pretty much. We talk a lot. Yeah. He's a super guy. He's so cool. He really is. And smart, man. Yeah. Like, next level smart. Like, I'm I'm okay, but he's, like, really up yeah. there. You know? I mean, when that's all you're doing day in and day out is diag you see a lot of issues and you get to practice those skills and refine them. Uh, yeah. I would love to do something like that, but I don't think that under the market for that. Uh, or, or he, and then he'll tell me though, like he went to a Midas. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have said the shop, name. <laughs> but he went to a store that had an express van there that they had held for him because it's like, it had no, no signal lights, no four ways, no signals. And I don't know what the, if they'd done anything or what, but it had sat there, I guess, a week because the customer dropped it off and they're like, okay, we're going to schedule this time. We're going to have a guy come in. And on that one, the fuse panels, one of the fuse boxes underneath the driver's seat. And, you know, he gets there and it's like, he's looking at it. Somebody removed the relay. Yeah. That's all it was. Yeah. A missing relay. Like he's like, I'm like, He's like, oh, it was, it was a relay. And I'm like, because we're talking. He'll show up at like lunchtime when I was there doing training. I'm like, so what'd you do this morning? He's like, you tell me. And I'm like, oh, yeah. What was that like? He's like, well, it was a relay. I'm like, you mean they couldn't diagnose a bad relay? He's like, no, no, they didn't have to diagnose a bad relay. They didn't even bother to check to see that the relay was installed. Yeah, that happens way more often than you would think. Like a lot. <laughs> it's 
Yeah. He tells me and I'm like, how does that happen? Cause you hear stories Lee about guys talking about like auction cars, yeah. auction cars that they buy are constantly bugged, right? Guys go to auctions and, and pull stuff to get it cheaper across the line, yeah. right? When they buy it. And then it winds up at some shop and you know, if you've got the process down, you figure it out. But Jordan's like, no, I go to these shops and it's like, they, they, they don't even have a rudimentary approach to how to go to some of this stuff. Right. Yeah. And then you watch him and you're like, wow, that's a process. Like he literally, you know, gets most of the problems figured out within an hour. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Like in the, in the States, they often refer to their taxes like A, B and C tax. And mm. like a lot of these shops, they, they've only got C tax and, and maybe like a week B <laughs> and, uh, they just don't even bother trying to figure out any diag. They just call it in when they need it. Uh, and but I mean, I look at it and it's like, and I'm sure they're make he's making good money, and I'm you know I'm sure the business is doing okay. But I'm just amazed at like how does the level get to that low where they don't even let some of the tech like. And I want to say, are they not letting the techs try? Like, is that maybe the policy in some of those shops? Is it like we're not even going to try? We're just going to call it in. So I think from the stories I've heard is they usually give it a shot, but they don't waste a lot of time. Uh, they'll, yeah. they'll just, they'll call in for some help and, and just get it corrected in a, in a reasonable amount of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That auto aids a fantastic company. Like that was the first time I've been exposed to them. And, uh, <laughs> Jordan's telling stories, uh, you know, about he, have you met, is his name Alan? The older gentleman. That, I haven't actually been there. Yeah. Uh, Jordan, they'll go. Sometimes I think they 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 ride together, and and Al um, goes out and just rides along with them. And Al is the former. I guess he taught at one of the colleges forever. Okay. Um, you know, uh, automotive and is super smart guy himself. Like just brilliant, and you know, older, retired out from teaching. Yeah but wants to stay active. So he rides on Jordan to see those two interact with each other. <laughs> it's so it's hilarious. Um, but so much knowledge in those two guys. It's incredible. Like uh, I, I, it, I would love to ride around with Jordan and him for a day just to watch <laughs> the, the banter that would go on back and forth. Yeah. And then actually how they would approach the fixing the stuff, because it, it would be so cool to, to witness it be really neat. Yeah, so I'm hoping I'd love to have Jordan on eventually as a guest. Uh, cause I think he'd have some really cool stories to tell. Yeah. So I'm sure he would do it. I, I know yeah. I kind of talked to him about it before and he was, uh, kind of into it. So yeah. 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 Like I remember I went there and then the second week, um, he says, Oh, you're the famous guy. And he's like <laughs> me. And I'm like, Oh, I said, you've been talking to Leo. Like, That's I'm not famous. I just, you know, so then everybody else in the room is like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> oh, I just, I, I have this stupid podcast, <laughs> you know? And then it's like, oh, okay. So I probably did the class and walked out of there with like, you know, six new listeners or whatever. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, you're that famous guy. No, I'm not famous. <laughs> I, just, I just talk shit on the internet. I'm not famous. Yeah. I, I had said that kind of jokingly. I'm like, oh, hey, did you yeah. know you have a celebrity coming in tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> so Jordan's like, "Oh, you're the celebrity." <laughs> yeah. God damn it, Lee! 
No, it was, it's what it, the level of training that they put out is fantastic. Like I can't say enough good things about it. And I mean, I came back from that course. My boss was cool enough to pay for it, uh, signs up for it and everything else. And then he, he tells us, okay, so, you know, you all pass the course or whatever. That's great. The, the money for the provincial grant or something paid yep. for it. So that's all cool. Oh, by the way, I'm going to give you all a 50 cent raise too for doing that. Oh, wow. And we're like, you didn't have to do that, dude. Like you paid for us to, to, you paid for the course. Yeah. Well, like it's in Barrie, right? We live, we, we live in Kingston area. Yeah. So it's three hours drive up every Thursday night, sit there all day long. We got five banked days that we got to take off over the Christmas holiday. So I was off from literally like, I think it was the 17th of December. I was off until I can't even remember what day I came back in January, like the seventh or something like that. Like it was like I had over two weeks yeah. off and and a full five days paid plus my holidays. Like it was amazing. So for him to go and give us another race for just taking that course, we we're over the moon ecstatic. I yeah, mean, that's amazing. I it's I never got to uh go for any kind of training when I was uh an independent. The only training I've ever gone for was uh, when I was at the dealer. Um, mm. And some of it was okay, but a lot of it was like, yeah, I already know all this. Like it yeah. was just uh just the check mark that, that box on the required training list. Yeah. 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 And that's, I always found like uh, people heard me say it before in the dealerships, like, okay, we want you to become certified on the product. So you sit through their online nonsense and it's Ohm's law and basic series circuits, yep. parallel circuits. So it's like, okay, I got 20 some years in, I've got this <laughs> down. Like, can I just skip level one? Yep. You know, and I can get to the, where the meat and potatoes of actually how your product is different from somebody else's. Yeah. You learn the nuances, right? Nope. Yeah. And I, I look at it and like, and all that time had to be, you know, they wanted you to log in and do it after work at night unpaid. I'm like, not doing no. that. I'm not doing it. I'm not reciting more Ohm's law shit theory that I learned 25 years ago for free. I'm not doing it, you yeah. know, not for so that your warranty claims can get paid. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, that's what it boils down yeah. to. You know, I can fix the car. So it's just a situation. You need me certified to fix the car. Well, I need to get paid to become certified and that's maybe a crappy attitude, but I find that the OEs are going to have to start catching up. I mean, training's got to become more and more, of a priority for more people in the industry. Yeah. Like, there's just no way it. <clears throat> so when I went for training, actually with any of the dealers I worked at, um, they, they paid me, uh, my hourly rate for the day and they paid for travel. So I got pretty lucky there, I guess. Uh, they never, uh, actually at Ford, they did want me to do some, uh, e-training, uh, for yeah. free. Um, basically I did it, like say a module was programming uh, at Ford. I only had one bay. Uh, so if a module was programming, I'd bang out a few, a uh, few e-learning courses while I was waiting for that. Uh, mm. so I got it. I got paid for it, but not, not really. Yeah. But not really. <laughs> uh, yeah. Not the way you could have, yeah. right? Like, I mean, you could have said, okay, I'm going to need two bays and I'll program two cars at once. Right. Instead of yeah, like giving something back to them. I understand it, but, 
I mean, I'm just, I'm blessed. This job that I've got now is just, is fantastic. I mean, he treats me so good. He treats all of us great. And it's, it's finally nice to finally see that. What, um, you're training for, for Tormont. How does that work? Uh, so in Concord, there's a, uh, training center, uh, that Tormont runs, but, um, for the autonomy stuff, like everything I take care of, uh, my training was in Arizona. Wow. And, uh, actually my cross shift, uh, he just went for training in Australia. Yeah. So Australia actually is where all the autonomy was kind of, kind of born. Right. Uh, yeah. So I kind of feel a little hurt. I missed out on Australia and I just went to Arizona, but Arizona was nice too. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Either one would be amazing, yeah. but uh, Australia would be pretty cool. I mean, you know, shop owners flex about sending their guys to, you know, North Carolina to train, but imagine sending your people to <laughs> Australia. to. Train. Yeah. That's a, it's a big expense. Yeah. So. so this is the first mine for Tormont, uh, that has anything to do with, uh, autonomy. So we're, we're really paving the roads here and trying to figure out what training we need, what training we don't need. How do we get the training? Um, so it'll be easier for the, for the people that come after us for sure. Is it, is it a pretty foolproof system by now? Like, do you have a lot of, like when, when you have a, I want to say a breakdown, what's it involved? Yeah. There's a lot of like the, a lot of the codes are pretty vague and you got to kind of just figure it out based on what is or isn't working in the system. So the, mm-hmm. the system consists of like, I don't know, 10 or 12, basically Linux computers that are all talking okay. to each other uh, and talking to uh, different sensors and stuff that's on the truck. And uh, you can log into them through a web portal and, and see what they can see and what they can't see and all the PIDs. And you, there's not a lot of diagnostic information available. There's a lot of just figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Um, often the trouble tree will be check connections, check power right. and ground, replace unit with known good unit, <laughs> right? Right. Like the trouble tree that you hate to see. And, and that's often what it is. Uh, so there's, and it's evolving a lot and the documentation isn't evolving with it. So as things go, we're kind of getting a, a local knowledge base kind of built up so that we can. Uh, so like for the main part, it's just me and the guy opposite me. So one person per shift, uh, that works on this stuff. And then, uh, some of the technicians who have gone for training can work on it if we're busy or if it's night shift and then, uh, but obviously they don't get that much exposure to it. So they have a lot harder time fixing it. Yeah. Would you, so you'd recommend it to the young people coming into this industry. Yeah. It's so like the, if, if you have a lot of computer and networking knowledge and you have Mm -hmm. some electrical and diagnostic knowledge, uh, man, does that make like a prime person for this position? Cause you really got to understand electrical and you got to understand pressure sensors and, and, and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and just how the, how the systems work. But the autonomy system is literally a, a computer network with a bunch of computers on it. So, so having the knowledge of that 
and the knowledge of mechanical and electrical really makes up for the prime person for this job. And there's not, there's not a lot of people, usually people who are strong and in like automotive or heavy duty, they, they're really weak when it comes to computers or people who are really good with computers are really weak when it comes to mechanical. Um, so I'm, I'm lucky that in my younger years, I was really into computers and programming and building robots. Like, like remember the show, um, robot wars. So I didn't do that, but I did similar to that on a smaller scale where I built Mm -hmm. the, the robot and actually I I built like a basic AI for it. And they, they battled, it was sumo bots or something like that. Oh, yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, so I was really lucky that when I went from that to automotive, uh, the electrical knowledge went with me and I learned, I was able to be really good at diagnostics and electrical and drivability. And then when I moved from that to mining, uh, especially in this autonomy role, uh, having those together, uh, really prepared me for this role. Yeah. Sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing I, I'm not. I, you know, my boss jokes all the time and, you know, like an EV course will pop up for Napa online, like a webinar. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to skip that one. <laughs> you know, cause I, I don't want to think about them being so prevalent, like that they become more and more common. Um, because it's just the whole, what's going on behind the scenes politically and the mandates and all that kind of stuff. I'm kind of against being forced, you know, yeah. to have it come in. But that being said, I forget some of us, I think when we sit here and we think about, oh, we're just going to be working on Teslas. But no, really, the, the, the theory and the technology that we're going to learn on Priuses and stuff like that is going to take us anywhere we want to go. Just like, yeah. you know, just like EFI in the 80s when it hit and everybody panicked. Yeah. You know, I can remember working at shops and guys were like, well, I can remember I worked at a Melrose Bobcat dealer and there was like three older techs that worked there that it used to be automotive techs. And when EFI came in, just called it, just called it, went to go work on Bobcats. Cause you know, they'd always kind of worked a little bit on diesel stuff and they, you know, grown up on farms and new tractors really well. So they just went to working on Bobcats. They wanted no part of like OBD one diagnostics yeah. for, you know, a mixture solenoid on a carburetor. They wanted no part of that. They thought it was stupid as hell and they weren't going to mess with it. And it's so funny now. I think, where are they now? I wonder those guys, right? Yeah. And then I remember that, well, I was like a young punk kid and they were in their forties now. So, I mean, they might not even be still driving, <laughs> but imagine the technology difference, like how fast it's gone. Yeah. From like 96 to now. Yeah. You know? Like right now in EVs, we're in like OBD zero and OBD one for, for EFI. Right. So once things get regulated a bit more like OBD two, it's going to be interesting to see how things move. Yeah. You're starting to scare me. (laughs) I don't even want to think about that. Well, listen, I won't keep any more of your time on a Saturday night. I, uh, I really appreciate you coming on and, um, I appreciate how much, help you've given me support with with the podcast on the canadian technicians hangout group and whatnot and i mean certainly we'll get this one you know out there as fast as we can and then i hope that some of the other guys that are listening that are in that group if you want to come on and and you know tell me what you've what you've been through and you know like we 
we want to push this podcast way more on the Canadian side, right? Yeah. Like it's the industry is already online is so biased towards the Americans. And I love my American family, but you know, we it's, they don't know. They don't know what it's like to, you know, be at 104 <laughs> below like, and, and to actually have to fix a machine. Like they're, yeah. they're not built like we are. So, I mean, I want to, I want to, you know, I want to support and uh, celebrate the badasses that we are up here and, and how we do it. So I want to thank you for coming on and, and sharing it. I mean, it's an interesting story because, you know, I think you're, you're, you're a pretty humble dude. Like you don't even, you know, you work on some pretty advanced, complicated stuff and you're just all very aw shucks about it. You know, <laughs> when I talk to you, it's just like, you know, I mean, it's pretty cool. Yeah, so, man. The, the way I look at it is like anybody could fix it if they put enough effort. And I could teach anyone, anyone to fix anything as long as they put in the effort. Yeah. Uh, like nothing is really that hard. Right. <laughs> At least. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I don't think so. I, I think pretty much anything could be dumbed down so that anybody could do it. I said to my, my coworker the other day, I said, uh, and he's young apprentice. And I said, you got to remember this stuff when it comes to India is already broke. <laughs> So, you know, it doesn't mean that you just kind of go around clueless and reckless, but it's already broke. So, you know, kind of spend some time and figure out why and the what, but don't be scared because it's already a broken car. So, you know, we're going to give them a fixed car back. It's already broke. Just keep that in mind. You know, you, we don't even know the severity of how broke yet. So you (laughs) might probably not even going to make it worse. You You just have to. But yeah, sure. you make a good point about that, you know, the, the, the diag thing and how nobody wants to pay for it. And I think we're slowly seeing that change and, you know, it's, uh, we'll just keep having those conversations that we're having, you know, with the guys in the group and whatnot about how to, how to value themselves and how to value their business. You know, yeah. that's the thing right now is I just, I want to see the techs value themselves more. You know what yeah. I mean? Like if you feel like you're being taken advantage of, or you feel like you're, you're really, you know, a pivotal person in, in that business, then, then, you know, pump your chest out and take pride in what you yep. do. And, and, you know, if you feel like you're not being respected, go get that respect. You know, you're not necessarily going to get it at the employer that you're at. Somebody out there will respect you. And, uh, life's too short, man. You know, you gotta, don't stay where you're not happy. Don't stay where you're not appreciated. Yep. At the same time uh, though, you, you gotta, you got to show what you're worth with your work. You can't, you can't just walk in and say, Hey, I'm worth this much, but you haven't shown Mm -hmm. that you're worth that much. Yeah. And a lot of people. All right. I will. uh, No, I'll let you go. All right. I'll, uh, I appreciate you. And we'll, we'll, we'll have you on again at some point. Cause I want to keep hearing these stories and, you know, people from the automotive uh, groups that are listening. You know, you want to be on here, get a hold of me, please. Let's do this. Yeah, for sure. We'll get you some more guys. Love it, man. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Hey, if you could do me a favor real quick and like, comment on, and share this episode, I'd really appreciate it. And please, most importantly, set the podcast to automatically download every Tuesday morning. As always, I'd like to thank our amazing guests for their perspectives and expertise. And I hope that you'll please join us again next week on this journey of change. Thank you to my partners in the ASA group, 
into the Changing the Industry podcast. Remember what I always say, in this industry, you get what you pay for. Here's hoping everyone finds their missing 10 millimeter, and we'll see you all again next time.